Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to speak with a friend of mine, Pastor Brian Ottinger of Convergence Church, about how to reach post-abortive men and women with the gospel. Stay tuned. All right, well, welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. I appreciate all those who join us today. I have with me a friend of mine, Pastor Brian Ottinger. He's the pastor of Convergence Church, and he has a real heart to minister the gospel, of course, to anybody, anybody that, that's breathing. He's willing to minister the gospel to them, uh, but also to reach uh, post-abortive men and women. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about his testimony. So introduce yourself and kind of introduce some of your heart, Pastor Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, encouraged by you. Um, yeah probably spend the whole hour talking about what what you guys have been doing man so just grateful it's for you guys grace, it is by God's grace and um, I thank him for connecting us and allowing me to share a little bit of my story um, I'm 42 years old now I got saved excuse me I'm 41 years old wow I'll be 42 and, too yeah many, too many years once you get past 40 it's just kind of lose count <laughs> so turning 42 in, in January but I'm 41 now uh, the Lord saved me when I was 32 um, prior to uh Christ as Savior and Lord of my life, um, my sin was, and, and Satan really was the Lord of my life. Yeah. I mean, just in the form of uh, doing whatever I wanted to do with whoever I wanted to do it with, whenever I wanted to do it. So yeah. uh, I was really good at it, and I don't boast in that, but just to give you perspective, man, I was I was in the world pretty hard and chasing, um, you know, sex, drugs, entertainment, yeah, and everything that is involved with those things. And so the Lord at 32 in his kindness, um, he sent one of my old friends and he shared the good news that, that, that God is good and his grace uh, is being poured out on people in the form of Jesus Christ, um, that I'm a sinner who needed to be saved from my own sin, the condemnation that I deserve, rightfully so. A place called hell was reserved for me yeah. if I didn't repent. And in God's kindness, uh, man, Holy Spirit broke through my hardened heart, and I found myself at 32 years old hitting my knees. Didn't grow up in the church, really didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, long backstory to that, but man, I'm just third story of a townhouse. I uh, wasn't in a church service or anything. The Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and uh, I believed in Jesus. And uh, the next couple of weeks and months were very interesting in, in terms of adding uh, theology to what that yeah, meant. Yeah. Um, the Lord was kind to send me uh, men to lead me, to disciple me, uh, men who were passionate uh, about the gospel, about the scriptures, about evangelism. And um, yeah, they told me this is what Christian life looks like. Now that you're saved, it's, it's our goal to help go save others yeah. through the power of the Spirit. And uh it was only until I got involved with some church folks, they told me, hey, you need to chill out. Like, that's not uh -huh. what you're supposed to do. Yeah, just reel me in a little bit. Uh, yeah, just reel me in a little bit. But, um, man, by the Lord's grace, um, uh, a friend of ours, Adam Tennant, mm -hmm. we just got done talking about. Yeah. Um, he told me, hey, now that you're a Christian, it's time for stand-up for the things that God cares about. And he brought me out here to Latrobe. Uh, probably been a Christian at that point for six months. And wow, he threw you right out in the, yeah in the I mean, I, i've always been all in right yeah, whatever yeah. i was doing i was all in so sure. 
I was up for it. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I'll never forget the day we came down here. Um, we were living in Huntersville at the time, and it was probably, it felt like it was 70 degrees. I think I had shorts on. Um, brought the wife and my kids. Adam said, it's a great place to bring your kids, you know. <laughs> so I brought the wife. My wife was probably six months pregnant at the time. Okay. Brought her and um, and the kids out and got down here, and it was like we entered into uh, a different world. Yeah. It felt like it was 30 degrees colder. You could just feel the presence of evil, man, in a way I yeah. had not experienced at that point. And uh, at that point, I was already doing street evangelism and so on and so forth, and just the cool you know, stories that my wife – uh, she's from Colombia, South America. Okay. And not South Carolina, not, but South yeah, America. Yeah, everyone always says South Carolina. <laughs> she's from South America. She's beautiful, by the way, if she ever watches or listens to this. I love my wife. Grateful for her. But the Lord used her in a way that day, which rocked my world. Because at that point, I was kind of the mouthpiece. Uh, I was sharing the gospel with everybody just in my zeal. And because she spoke Spanish, I think Paige said, hey, would you mind getting on the mic? That's she Adam's went, wife. Yeah, Adam's yeah. wife uh-huh. said, hey, would you come in? And they put my wife on the mic, and they just were telling her what to say. And she was translating in Spanish to a Spanish family that went in, hey, come out, there's hope for you, there's yeah. there's, there's another option. And, uh, man, by God's grace, uh, he used my wife that day to uh, for this family to choose life. Yeah, that's powerful. And I'm over here looking like, what? Because <laughs> like, at that point my wife was very, um, um, I won't say immature, but she was very... Reserved, maybe? She was very, she's still reserved, but she was just very young in the faith, and she, mm-hmm. she wasn't outspoken at all for the gospel at that point. So to see the Lord use her in timid, that way. maybe timid. Yeah, timid, be. just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah timid's yeah. a good word. So yeah. anyways. Um, the Lord uses. Yeah, the Lord used it. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blended, we're part of a blended family. So when I met my wife, uh, I had one son and she had two. And a few years, actually, well, she was pregnant at that point. And, um, and so I remember when she got pregnant, you know, I started to realize the weight of what I had done. Yeah. In my past, I was a po- post. Excuse me. I was a bo- I'm a post abortive father, but at that point, um, I started realizing, man, like, it almost felt like the unforgivable sin. Yeah. To me, was because I I realized I, when I was in the world and I wasn't a Christian, I didn't give two thoughts about if it was a life. I could care less. Yeah. I didn't even consider the arguments of is it life? Is it a glob of cells? All I knew was that. Uh, a girl got pregnant, came to me, she told me she's pregnant, and my only response was to go get rid of the problem. Yeah. That, that was my mindset. And that happened at least twice, if not a few more times. Um, some of it's a little blurry and foggy. I mean, that's, that's how out there I was. But as a Christian who had a pregnant wife now, um, I thought that God was going to punish me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I didn't the baby was going to maybe die in the womb or come out maybe defective. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's sure. probably a weird word for it. But I just felt like because of my past sin, like this was something that God was going to hold against me. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm up until the point of Lucas, who's now seven years old, up until the point of his birth. Um, and so when he came out, <clears throat> the womb, um, I don't know if you've seen kids who are like gasping for air. Their oh, bodies okay. are purple. Yeah, yeah. Like, when he came out the womb, man, I was, I was, uh, I felt like something was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was like, man, this is just what it's I was coming to bear. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then a few seconds later, he turned to, you know, deep red or pink or whatever. Yeah. And just started crying. And the doctor was like, you have a healthy baby boy. And I was just like, whoa, man. Like, yeah. You know, well, you know, in one sense, I mean, that mentality, and I don't want to say it's a, 
it's a fully biblical mentality, but we are, we are all undeserving of the good gifts that God yeah, gives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Because all of our pasts are tainted with sin and, and rebellion against God. Yeah, man. But part of, uh, you know, I just know part of your heart is sort of ministering from the way the Lord has done a work in your life yeah. and, and where he's brought you from and ministering to other guys and even, yeah. even ladies in a, you know, a pastoral capacity, you get all kinds of stuff that's yeah, thrown your way and, yeah. and you get these opportunities really yeah. to bring people from a place of brokenness and a place of just mistrusting God and mistrusting yeah. whatever uh, to a place of healing. Yeah, man. So talk a little bit about sort of the springboard of your past and how that sort of sprung you into, you know, bringing people to a place of healing and, and reaching people yeah. with the gospel and with, uh, you know, with God's ability to heal. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'm glad I got to share some of the earlier stuff because it really adds some context to yeah. the next part. But um, I've always firmly believed, I mean, Scripture's true and God's word's infallible, right? But Second Corinthians 1 says, the God of all comfort comforts you to comfort others in their suffering. Yeah. And so... I remember about about a year after I got saved, I remember I was on fire for the Lord the first year, and um, I remember one day it hit me, I started to become a little depressed because I started thinking back to, man, my past was rugged. Yeah. You know, I had suicidal thoughts. I was many broken relations. I hurt a lot of people. I was hurt along the way. And so I started in my mind questioning the goodness of God. Yeah. You know, why would a good God allow me to go through these things for 32 years. I mean, yes, I'm glad I'm saved and I have a, a brand new heart and a new eternity and all that stuff's great, but man, there was some real pain I experienced. And then yeah. brother, uh, actually Justin Edwards, a friend okay. of yours, yeah. uh, he shared 2 Corinthians 1 with me and it changed my outlook. It's like, man, God's given me a testimony. And so I, I started having an understanding of that, but it wasn't until uh, week 40, and I've been coming out to the abortion mill and, and doing some some ministry with Cities for Life mm-hmm. and and the tenants and others. But yeah, I was what, actually going through some pictures some months ago. I think I <laughs> sent you the picture, but it's like, I don't remember. It was back in 2000, and I mean, it was probably so, shortly after you got saved, maybe the first couple of yeah. times you've come out. I was like, that's that's Pastor was it Brian. Me? Yeah, it was you. Was I a lot thinner back then? You were a lot thinner. Yeah, yeah. I was too. Well, I was a lot more baby-faced, I guess it was. Yeah, you probably yeah. had less gray hair. I, did, I had less gray hair. But you had gray hair back then too, though. It was kind of blonde. Were you one of those guys who started getting gray hair in high school? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But anyway, yeah, so, so, so yeah. Yeah, better so, have gray hair than no hair. Um, yeah, so, man, yeah, so I'd been coming out, and, and I understood in, in, in my theological background um, in my denomination, um, real heavy emphasis on uh, good hermeneutics, good biblical hermeneutics. Yeah. Uh, we want to understand the context of Scripture we want to understand that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for God's glory alone. We know it through the Scripture alone. And I would say uh, well, well intended, but an under-emphasis on healing yeah. and deliverance. And so at week 40, um, the first year they did it, I was actually it's skeptical. Love life. Yeah, 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 it's a love life. Super skeptical of the ministry, uh-huh. just in general. Uh, who are these good-looking guys and, yeah, these, yeah. and these hipsters? And yeah, hipsters <laughs> and... And these soft-colored shirts, even though I think we both have on, like, soft-colored shirts today. Maybe maybe not. Um, but This is a strong-colored shirt. Is it? I don't it? know what you're talking about. Yeah, is this? Yeah, I don't know. Baby <laughs> blue. I like Tar Heels, so we're good. There's a baby blue, baby uh, shower yeah, curtain right yeah. there. But, yeah, man, just seeing these guys and being skeptical, skeptical of their ministry, uh, not primarily because of their good looks and their soft blue shirts, but because they weren't preaching the gospel like, mm-hmm. explicitly. Yeah. 
um, they were praying and worshiping. I was yeah. like, what's up with that? And uh, somebody connected me with Andre, went out for lunch. And I think it was me, man. Was it you? I think it was. <laughs> Brother, you it were, definitely was. You're like the Holy Spirit just connecting <laughs> you. Just connecting people. So, so somebody connected me with Andre. Okay, excuse me. Daniel, you connected me with Andre. And I wasn't, I wasn't not going to come out, but I wasn't, like, excited about it, per mm-hmm. se. Because I knew the good work that Cities for Life was doing. I knew the good work um, that other ministries were doing. And um, I remember talking to Andre. I said, all y'all doing is just praying. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what do you mean, brother? He said, don't, don't you believe in the power of prayer? And it hit me. Mm-hmm. I'd been a Christian at this point for five years, um, maybe six. And when he asked me that question, I realized that I didn't. I didn't believe in the power of prayer. Yeah. That if I thought that, that prayer was some sort of, um, um, you know, unpowerful tool that God had given the church, that it was something, we, or, or, or for me, it was like, we could do that in our prayer closet. Sort if of we're like gonna a cop-out thing. Like, well, it's like, we're going to go out there. We need to preach the gospel. That's the yeah. way of salvation. Like, and just really undermining the work of the Spirit through, through prayer. And so that challenged me. And so I came out on week 40, uh, brought a couple guys from our church, and brought a few of my sons. I have five boys. And um, my oldest son, during week 40, they're, you know, this great experience. They're praising, worshiping. Yeah. They're, they're talking about words of healing and deliverance. And my oldest son looked at me that day, and he said, Dad, have you ever had an abortion? Now, I don't remember if we ever had the conversation before, but it had never been as clear as it was that day that I looked at him with tears in my eyes and, and told him, yes, I had. And, and I start crying. And he started crying with me. Yeah. And next thing I know, he's, he's hugging me, my oldest son. I start thinking about you know, my children in heaven that I, you know, sent to the slaughter. Yeah. And, man, I just broke down and started crying. And, and so I'm crying with him. My other son comes over. We start crying. Dudes from the church come over. And I don't know if, know, if they knew why. They start crying with us. <laughs> we put and, those Yeah, in man. Here, man. And so the Lord really, that day, I believe, he initiated uh, a major um, movement of healing in my life. And... Um, Soon after, you know, meeting with Andre and Justin, who are now good friends of mine and yours as well, um, I told them my story about how the Lord had healed me. And uh, just uniquely, I don't think there's probably a lot of pastors uh, who have that testimony. Yeah. And, you know, what we can look at is a painful, you know, post-Christian life the Lord will use to glorify himself and help bring healing to others. And so uh, they were really adamant about me sharing that story. And, they, yeah. and I was really adamant to share that story as well. Yeah. I'm I've sure. never been quick to turn down an opportunity to declare the glory of God. Yeah. And so uh, I think the next year at Love Life, I began sharing that testimony on Saturday mornings and got to go into some churches and talk about it and then really just began to personally heal. Um, and then to realize, man, as I looked at the landscape of, you know, my wife and other Christians, that, that there was a lot of Christians who had um, had abortions. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, yeah, we're a messed up bunch, man. Apart from the grace of God, you know, we're kind of like, you know, with, with David and the and the men who come to stand with David when he was uh, running away from Saul. It says they were basically the the indebted, the the rejects of society. Yeah. And that's that's the Church of Jesus Christ yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> we're rejects of society, but we're embraced by by the Lord and we're changed by the power of His Spirit. Yeah. And those men became what? David's mighty men, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't that cool how the Lord does and David that? himself. I mean, yeah. you know, he's like a man after God's own heart. And he was a, 
adulterous murder. Up, like you, you know, so, deed, huh? <laughs> so yeah, man, the, the Bible is is, is quick. Well, I want to touch yeah, on one point that just came to mind, yep. which I think is pretty cool, and it's maybe a rabbit trail, but I think this will help others. When you said your son just turned to you, how old your, how was your son at that time? At that point, he was probably thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember. Do you remember how long Love Life's been in existence? So it was 2016, I think, was their first prayer walk. Okay, so he was what was that three years ago? He's 16, 13. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, how would this young man know to turn to his dad and ask him that question? Dad, have you ever had an abortion? Obviously, the, the implication is you ever taken someone to have an abortion or paid mm-hmm. for an abortion. And I think it's, this is important for us as dads that, you know, we don't have to share every gory, gruesome detail of our lives and our past, but we need to be sharing on a regular basis with our kids a testimony of what we yeah. were. Yeah, and I and I'll bet you you shared with him kind of what you oh, were, man, where yeah. you came from, and it was sort of to him. It's like, well, my dad's done this, he's done that. Yeah, but I bet this might be in his past too. Is that yeah. kind of how that how that played out? Well, you know, so thirty two years of of, and I'm not, I wasn't just like a kind of halfway center. Like I was full on. Like yeah. we're all full full on. But I know what you mean. But everyone that knew me knew what I was about. I was yeah. about drinking, drugging, you know, pouring around, whatever it was, man. That's what I was about. Yeah. And so because I had 32 years of that, it's, it's, I've only been living less than 10 years under the blood of Christ. Yeah. And so I can't forget my testimony. Yeah. Like whether it's through, uh, you know, seeing things or hearing things or smelling things, like I'm reminded constantly of who I used to be. Yeah. And, and so by the grace of God, um, when Satan reminds me of who I used to be, I remind him of who I am now. And yeah. when he reminds me of my past, I remind him of my future. Amen. And so... Um, yeah, we've never skirted away from from sharing with our kids, and even as a Christian now, who who maybe I'm not like doing cocaine and so on and so forth, but man, I still mess up around my kids. Yeah, and there's times where Dad gets angry, or there's times where Dad um, maybe was passive, or there was times where uh, Dad just chose himself over his children. Yeah, and so I use those opportunities to go to my kids and say, "I'm sorry. Yeah, like this I didn't I didn't I wasn't being Christ-like." Yeah, and so yeah, we we don't hesitate um, to ask for forgiveness and to share our sinfulness because it only leads us to bask in the glory of God even so much more. So another rabbit trail. I don't know how long you got on this podcast. Yeah, uh, we'll go but about thirty forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah, two two nights ago, um, um, my two youngest came to my room and they were arguing about something, and uh, they're five years old and seven years old, Moses and Lucas. And you I, got a Moses? I got a Moses, Praise bro. God. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how he, he lives out that namesake. <laughs> Doesn't have the staff yet, but he's working on it. Yeah. So, um, but man, they got to come in my room and I forget what happened specifically, but there was some sin, some tension between those two. And I just said, Hey, come sit down beside me. And I, I walked him through what it meant to be a man and what it meant to be a leader. And I, and I pointed back to Adam and said, if Adam would have been doing his job and leading as a man, like, we wouldn't even have this sin in the first place. Yeah. Like, Adam dropped the ball, and that's why Eve ate of the fruit. And um, and so through that, um, now I'm trying to remember why I got rabbit trailed. <laughs> well, you're talking about oh, using springboard yeah, with your and, testimony. And so then I got to tell them back, you know, because we just got off week 40 last mm-hmm. weekend, and I got to share with them. I said, listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we're all sinners, but if it wasn't for the grace of God that Genesis 3.15 promised, you two wouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, mom and I wouldn't even be together. And so I don't want them to, to, to wallow in their sin, but to say, hey, because of God, we are. Yeah. Because of God, we can. And because of God, we will. Yeah. And so, yes, we, sometimes we need to meditate on our sinfulness and, and not just think we're, 
God's gift to the world. We've done nothing yeah. wrong. We don't deserve this grace, but he's, he's given it his grace, and he's given us and empowered us to live an empowered life now and then for the future. And because of God's grace, I now have Moses and Lucas. Yeah, yeah. And they've, they're seeing a mother and father who love each other imperfectly, who mess up as parents frequently, <laughs> but, but quick to say, hey, I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? And God's grace is sufficient. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, and so, you know, just in the realm of ministry as a pastor and then yeah. sort of the, the, the Lord using your past, you know, to minister to your kids, but also to minister to others and minister in, in particular to post-abortive fathers. Yeah, man. Share some of those stories or share some of your heart as far as ministering to post-abortive men. Because, you know, people think that it's just women that are affected by abortion. Yeah. It's just women in the church that have had abortions, which, you know, the statistics are one-third of all women in the United States of America have had an abortion. Yeah probably even higher within the church. I, I don't know exactly, but at least one-third of the women that you're preaching to yeah. have been affected by abortion. Yeah. But we often do affect, forget about the men that are affected by abortion. That, yeah. that thing is like a, you know, it's like a, a snake. It slithers wherever it yeah. can go and just devours whatever it can, you know. Yeah. So talk about ministry to post-abortive fathers. Yeah, man. I mean, it's messy. Um, it's messy because <clears throat> if you're plowing a field, you know, when you start plowing the field, and I'm not a farmer at all. I don't know if you are. I'm not. But um, tried I've been, stuff died when I tried to, to cultivate it. Because it's hard. It's hard work, right? <laughs> it's hard work, yeah. you got to stick with it. Um, so the women, um, they're usually, it, it's, it's usually, um, it's not hard to maybe get them to tap back into that moment because they, they were in the room. Yeah. They physically had things done to them. And the men was absent from that. Yeah. And I think just in our society in general, the way God's designed the family is that the man is supposed to lead in our society says, Hey, who would do whatever you want to do? Yeah. Uh, women can lead and, and men, uh, I just saw a picture yesterday of a woman, uh, proposing to a man and she was on one knee and he's standing there getting the ring. And I was That's like, ridiculous. and so we live in a society that, uh, that, that calls meat vegetables and calls vegetables meat and women can be men if they want to and identifies whatever up they want. Up is down and down is up. It's just, so, like yeah, it. it's, it's yeah. so scattered. And so when you start getting back to the, the biblical roles of men and women, um, we, have to, we have to drudge through all that. we got to plow those fields and say, we, we don't care what culture says, right? Because culture say, man, be strong, pull, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and move on and not deal with yeah. the pain of your heart. And so going back to your question is, what has it been like? Well, I've ministered to several men, and some of these men have abortions from 30 years ago. Yeah. And so the hard part is to get them to go back. Yeah. Right? To get them to go back and, 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 and see the reality of that moment and the reality of their failed uh, responsibility, mm-hmm. their failed action, um, or even their, whether it's their complacency or their pushing the woman yeah. to do it. Yeah. And then dealing with it at that moment. Because you can't deal with... You can't move on until you've dealt with the past. You don't want to live in the past, but you got to deal with that moment. Yeah. And so the hard part for, for you know, post-abortive fathers is that we've been taught all our life is that we need to be tough and just keep moving on. And so this thing extends past abortion. I know that's the, the purpose of this, but, but men in general have been abused sexually, physically, uh, mentally at early ages. Yeah. And we've just been taught, hey, we got to keep it moving. But until we go back to those moments and see our, our failure in action, whether it's, you know, again, for against apathy or uh, pushing, um, until we get back to that moment, we're not gonna we're not gonna move on. So that's the hard part. Yeah, for men, 
Because, like, again, we've just been taught do, to— Do you find that— because, you know, just in my experience at the abortion clinic, and I've talked to men, and you've been there and you've talked to men. We've probably even ministered together to some men at the yeah. abortion clinic there. Um, you find a lot of apathy. But you also find a lot of brokenness even within the men. I mean, some of them are coercing her to have an abortion. But, but the majority of men that I've talked to have taken the attitude of, well, if, if it was up to me, she wouldn't have the abortion, but it's her body, her choice. And, of course, yeah. the implication for that is her body, her choice, her fault, her problem. She bears the weight of it. Yeah. But they're still feeling... Uh, some guilt there, but do you find that that maybe they some men in order to make themselves feel less guilty or feel you know sort of like they weren't a part of it do sort of push that off on the woman like you know I, I didn't really want her to do it but she did it and so they're trying to shirk the guilt that they actually feel yeah by blaming it on her do you find that to be the case well, I mean, just go back to scripture right uh-huh. uh it's kind of how it happens what is anyway, you know, hey this is the, the woman, woman you gave me yeah yeah it's like no dude you had a responsibility yeah. And so whether it's abortion or whatever sin we're dealing with, it's the man's responsibility, right? It doesn't, it doesn't usurp the, or negate that the woman has a responsibility as well or the yeah, children. Yeah, absolutely. But the man's been called to lead. Yeah. And so um, I've been out there on the sidewalks, and, and it sounds harsh to say, hey, 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 brother, or hey, fella. Yeah. Like, if you don't go stand up, you're being a coward. Yeah. And, man, that sounds harsh, but it's true. It is. It's true. And um, the reality is, as, as, the, as the abortive father years ago, I was being a coward. Like, I, was, I had to deal with my cowardiceness. I, yeah. I preferred comfort over responsibility. My responsibility to myself was having fun. Yeah. And this is just a, an accident that happened. And a problem. You yeah, a problem I got to yeah. take care of. It's going to get in the way of, you know, her life or my life because I don't plan on being with her anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah, just um, yeah, man. In general, man, we 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 like to blame shift, mm-hmm. and people who don't have the Holy Spirit, um, you can't fault them for that because they don't know any better in a sense. I mean, yeah. they still have the responsibility to take responsibility, but it's just the it's the default. Yeah, for our society is to blame others. Yeah, you know, we don't like the way society goes. Blame the president. Yeah, we don't like uh, the way the. The sandwich tasted. Blame who? Like you yeah, could probably yeah. blame the chef for that, but yeah. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like we blame just, the mayonnaise just, company. Right? Yeah, we just blame everybody. <laughs> yeah, man. it's like you're the one that cooked it, bro. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, just. That's so how do not you? Go away. Yeah, well, unless yeah, unless the Holy Spirit comes in yeah. and does His work, which is sort of you know that is the focus of this podcast. You know, talking about pro life stuff and talking yeah. about you know abortion, but it's always in light of the gospel and what what God has done, obviously in our hearts, what God has done in your heart. We minister out of that. You know, I have a story. I've shared it uh, in a previous podcast, my my past and how the Lord took me from a father at 17 years old. My wife got pregnant. I don't know if you know. My yeah, wife was me. pregnant yep. in, in high school, 16. I was 17. Yep. Our baby was born when I turned 18. And uh, then, you know, we have a 21-year-old daughter now. And God has really done a, a work in our lives through that. That's actually what the Lord used to bring me to himself yeah. is that you know, unwanted pregnancy situation. So I minister out of that. I minister out of what the Lord has done in my heart. You know, freely you have received, so freely give, yeah. Jesus said. Yeah. And you minister out of that same thing. So talk then, if you can, about the healing. You, so you talked a little bit about it, love life yeah. and how the Lord, I guess, confronted you in that sin, but yeah. also brought, you know, a brokenness. You know, we don't, we, we don't begin with God until we end up with ourselves, right? Mm. We've got to be done with ourselves. Mm. And, and even in our Christian lives, good, we've got to lay it down, right? Yeah. We've got to lay down, and we go from glory to glory by laying stuff down. That's good, man. And, uh, and it seems like that week 40, 
in 2016 is when the Lord did that for you as far as the abortions yeah. in the past. Yeah. So talk about how the Lord has brought you from that point of brokenness to healing, and then, you know, you've already talked a little bit about ministering to others. Maybe you should share a story of a guy that you've ministered to, if you can. Yeah, well, um, so I've been a pastor, church planner for three years, and probably my favorite thing that I've learned that I quote myself on is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So... I think I might have got that from you because I say, I say that a lot. I too. mean, I'm sure I'm not the first guy to ever say it, but if I was writing a book, that might be the title. And what that does, it, it allows you some uh, freedom from, you know, the Lord's sanctifying us, right? So um, sometimes we, you know, like that week 40 moment happened. Yeah. Instead of feeling condemnation, I felt release. Yeah. But, but, but sometimes in the Christian walk, when we realize the weight of our sin or something, Sometimes it can cause us to look back and, and even drudge or put our heads down. And so God's not in the business of having us walk through life with our heads down. He wants us to, to look up and see him and push on Philippians 3, 13, 14, the upward call. Yeah. Right? Not looking back, but, but looking forward. And so, um, again, the first five, six years of being a Christian, we just didn't hear about healing. And it's, it's, it's kind of... Uh, implied right when you yeah, read through yeah. the gospels and i mean the way the holy spirit works you're gonna you're gonna receive healing yeah but for someone to shine a light and say man brother you need to be healed like i just hadn't heard that kind of language until mm-hmm. week 40 and it happened and i don't even it was the holy spirit yeah that clearly was was doing the healing but so for me even lately it's just um being around you know my you know my pentecostal brothers and <laughs> and uh and just being around different denominations where, where people are focused on, hey, let's, let's tend to the wounds of your heart. Um, our church plant is, um, we're in the adoption process of a church planting network, really not a network, a family of churches called Soma. Okay. And Soma is the Greek word for body. And they've been really instructive about getting on the front end of soul care. Yeah. Uh, in ways I've never really heard, in comprehensive ways, which has been so refreshing to me. Mm-hmm. Because as ministers of the gospel, we all are going to struggle. Yeah. Um, as fathers, we're all going to... Every Christian is going to struggle yeah. as we battle our sin. And so some wounds are going to come up. So if we don't have um, our identity rooted in Christ, if we're not trusting and depending on the Spirit of God and realizing that we've been adopted into a family that we can't get out of, and so God loves us and He cares for us and He wants us to, uh, to be healed, if we don't walk in that kind of light, then... We're never going to, to progress or, or to be sanctified in the mm-hmm. ways uh, Romans 8.28 says we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, the body of Christ has a lot of things that need to be healed of. Yeah. And so when God shined that light on me and he's been shining this light of healing, um, I've just been exposing it from the pulpit. Okay. Um, when I meet with brothers, I'm, it's not, hey, man, did you get the right context for every scripture? Say, hey, man, how is... What is God trying to do here? Yeah. What, what do you sense in the spirit moving? Is, is, there, is, there, is there an area of your life that's not been submitted to the Lordship of Christ? Is there an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is, is revealing that needs, to be, that needs to be healed? Or is there something in your life that you need to be delivered from? Yeah. So just new, new language. And I'm, I'm still learning, man. So I'm, I'm yeah. leaning on brothers like you and uh, other brothers to help me through this. But uh, specific stories, man, I mean, you know, there's so many. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure, like... Confidentiality. I mean, I'm 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 one of those real transparent don't guys. Any, don't <laughs> yeah. use any names, okay? But I like I don't even know how to not be transparent. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Another brother. Um, 
just talking to about um, trying to love and forgive. Um, I guess it'd be okay if my mom heard this, but I've, I've, I've had an estranged relationship with my mother. Yeah. And it's one that I'm, you know, actively praying and, and seeking how do we, how do we reconcile? I don't think she knows the Lord yet, and there's, there's some areas of betterment in her heart. But what I realized one day was that, man, I've been really bitter towards her. Yeah. You know, I can label it, mislabel it, really, all kinds of other things. And, oh, I've tried, and I've kicked your dust off and moved it. And all that. But it's like, and at the end of the day, it's like there's a part of my heart that, that, that needs to be healed and needs to love her un- yeah. unconditionally. And so this is not necessarily on the, the issue of abortion, um, but I was just sharing that with another brother, and, and he confessed to me, man, he, he had a stepmom um, that he got introduced from at five years old, and, and about eight years old, he started hating her. Yeah. And his brother's in his 40s now. And just through that conversation of seeking the deeper areas of her heart, I think, you know, he reached out to her and he, he sought to, to make amends and just to love her unconditionally yeah. with no agenda. And so that's one story. I mean, I've got countless stories in my own home, but I just want to protect my home. <laughs> yeah, no, I my wife's it. like, you always talk about us from the pulpit. I'm, <laughs> I try to only, like, use great stories. Yeah. Um, and then I've got tons of personal stories. But, but yeah, man, it's just... What God does to you, he'll do through you. And so mm-hmm. it's hard for it, it's hard for uh, you to go and talk about uh, healing if you haven't been healed. Yeah. It's hard for you to, to forgive others if, if you, uh, excuse me, it's hard for you to talk about forgiving others if you haven't personally forgiven yeah. others. Yeah, so, yeah. It's just yeah, I know there's, uh, you know, First uh, John. First John's like one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's, it's tough, but it's, it's weird. also. That's weird that's one of your favorites. It's, it's one of my favorites. No wonder you're so holy. Yeah, well, exactly. That's right. <laughs> But the first part of that, I actually memorized these first couple of verses, and it talks about walking in the light. It says, this is the yeah. message which we have heard from him, talking yeah. about Jesus, and we declare to you that God is light, mm. and in him is no darkness at all. Mm. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, yeah. as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And the Lord, you know, really showed me, because I was just praying, because it actually goes on to say that those that have the seed of God in them, they do not sin. But he also says that when you sin, so obviously he's not saying that we never sin. Yeah. And so I was sort of meditating on that, walking in the light. What does that mean, walking in the light? Is God talking about sinless perfection? Like mm-hmm. we need to walk in sinless perfection? It's like, no, he's not talking about that. Mm-hmm. Talking Walking in the light is actually holding... The, your failings and your sin before God and saying, yeah. yes, God, this was wrong, yeah. and confessing it, yeah. bringing it into the light. It's not sinless perfection. Yeah. It's being honest with where you've gone, where you, what you've done, and bringing it to the light. And it even says in that scripture, it's, it's, it's curious there, that it says that if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Yeah. So our fellowship oftentimes, and you've probably experienced this too, that when somebody's holding on to a sin, yeah. When they're holding on to something in their past or they're yeah. holding on maybe justifying an attitude that they have, yeah. unforgiveness or whatever, yeah. it actually even breaks fellowship with mm. other brothers mm. because there's a sort of a mistrust thing that goes on. Like the reason why people don't bring stuff to the light is yeah. because they don't trust other people yeah. to not do the same thing that was yeah. done to them, yeah. and it can break fellowship. It can mess things yeah. up in, even yeah. in the church, you know. Yeah, so just speaking on that a little bit, and that's good. I might have to get you to come preach at our church on that yeah, sometime. Maybe. but. Um, you can't do that apart from relationships. Yeah. And so that's why we started our church. I'm not trying to plug our church, but that's no, why we... plug it in, man. That's why we started... Convergence yeah, con- Church. Convergence Church. ConvergenceChurchNC.com. All right. Um, I'll but, put it on the, uh, on the notes yeah, in the man. podcast. Yeah, man. I mean... Yeah. So, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm thinking about... <laughs> what do I need to tell them about the church? <laughs> no. Um, 
Man, that's why we started the church the way we did, and we, we, we do these, we call them Great Commission groups, because the Great Commission is to make disciples. It's not just an evangelistic call, because yeah, yeah. we're disciples, right? So we, we, we want to make good disciples, because we're all discipling somebody, whether we know it or not. Yeah. And so um, we want to be these kinds of disciples who can walk in the light and can yeah. share those things. But you can't do that apart from relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if, if your, your fellowship with other Christians is um, segmented to one hour on a Sunday, like, that's just not adequate. Yeah. Like, that's not – if I only knew you for one hour on Sunday and you came to me and started talking about your sin, like, I don't really have the capacity – to, to minister to you. Yeah, and, or even really a capacity to care. It's like, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Yeah. I say. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, man, I don't know you, and hey, man, I'll be praying. I'll pray for you, brother, and I might earnestly pray for you. But, um, yeah, man, so that's what I love about Cities for Life. It's what I love about Love Life is they're not just transactionally preaching a message mm-hmm. on the street corner. Like, if that's all it was, and, and that would be good in a sense because you're you're going to – you know, a place of death and calling out to save and, and, and bring life. But you guys are invested relationally. We got pictures on the wall. We know some of these mothers. Yeah. Some oh, of yeah. these mothers have come up to our church and, and begin uh, some relationship. And that's where in communities where, where the light shines on the things, you know, we all, we always look at Matthew 18 uh, when Jesus is talking about church discipline. We look at that, um, that last portion, we're, we're going to put them before the church. We're going to send them out. Basically, yeah. we're going to kick them out. Yeah. And church discipline, if it's done rightly, the first step is going to your brother one-on-one. Yeah. And so that's a relational thing. And so um, going back to this whole conversation is that if you're going to be a post-abortive father or seek to minister to post-abortive fathers or be a post-abortive father who's seeking to be ministered to, you got to be plugged into a local church yeah. and, and not just one where you're showing up on Sunday, you're sitting in the back row, you don't know anybody, and you've kind of checked the box. Like, you, you'll, you, you won't be healed or delivered that way. Holy Spirit can work in spite of that. But the way Holy Spirit works is through Scripture, through prayer, and through community. Yeah. And, and what better place to be around other broken people um, that can love you and encourage you and equip you. Pastor's job is to equip the work of the ministry. Yeah. So, so this is the, the way God's taught me about healing. Now I'm equipping the body. Right, so I'm limited in, in the amount of men I can reach or women with the post-abortive healing. Yeah. But as I equip our church for this, we've got 100 men and women who are gathering regularly throughout the week, not just on Sunday, but in their communities, um, and they're going out. And children, our church is 100 people strong, praise mm-hmm. God. 75 of those are children? Man, no, it feels kidding. like it. It's about 50, 55. Yeah. I mean, and so our kids are now, I mean, I, I probably saw 10 of them volunteering in Love Life Week 40. Yeah. Our kids are the next generation who are standing in the gap now for the children, but also standing in the gap for people who might make that decision. Um, I have kids at uh, a Christian school in the city, and the principal told me that, man, probably a quarter of those kids are Christians. Mm-hmm. And so they're there. And I brought Love Life to to the, um, the school, and their school participated as part of their mission week the past oh, wow. two years. And, man, it caused a stir mm-hmm. amongst the parents. Why are you sending our kids out there? Yeah, yeah. And, the, and even my own kids had to become apologists for why life is uh, God, it's God's thing. It's, mm-hmm. we, we love life because, because God does. Yeah. And so my kids now are speaking up. And my, even my own, one of my sons was ministering to uh, one of our relatives. 
who saw some of our posts and he's like, why would y'all go out there? And, and so my 15-year-old son is now studying the scriptures and he's, he wants to become more sharpened and equipped so that he can speak on behalf yeah. of God uh, through this issue of abortion. So it's a very, it's a very apologetic issue. Yeah. Um, it's, it's life and death issue. But it, it's it's a glory of God issue. Yeah, I mean God loves life. That's why He created us. We, we're created His image. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, yeah, I know one of the there's a, there's a post I read from John Piper uh, some months ago that he put out. You know, basically like uh, you know some pro abort person had said. You know, if, if all these babies are going to heaven, and uh, you know, hey, why why is it a bad thing? Why is abortion a bad thing? It's just sending them straight to heaven. John Piper's response was, well, the devil's content to send, you know, a thousand babies to, to heaven as long as he can put a thousand women in bondage to the sin of mm. abortion. And it's like, it's true because it does bring bondage to, to women. Yeah. And again, the focus a lot of times is on women, but yeah. it's also men yeah. in bondage. And the bondages, and, and still even some believers in the churches, yeah. you know, that, that we uh, or associated with probably my church, probably some even in your church that are hanging on to that sin, yeah. or in that bondage, even though they're set free by the blood of Jesus, and when uh, God pronounces them justified, justified yeah. by grace through faith, yet there's still a bondage in their mind and like a holding back from Amen. all that the Lord could 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 use them to do because yeah. they're not they're not allowing the Lord to release them yeah. in the sense from that sin. Yeah, man. Have you experienced that in your congregation? Some people getting set free from not maybe even not just past abortions, but other other things, um, and seeing the Lord sort of propel people in that way. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, that's essentially that's the process of sanctification. Yeah, is God setting you free from your past? Um, yeah, it's hard for me to give specific examples because. In our in our in my line of work, it happens every day. Yeah, sure. Um, whether I mean, some people are they're in bondage to their their doctrine. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm a part of this camp, and I can't fellowship with anybody else. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, man, God wants to free them from that. There's a unified body of Christ. Going up to New York was powerful for me. I went I went up to New York with Love Life. Okay, yeah. And um, this was their first year in in New, New York, York City, right? yeah. and they asked me to come up and share some of my story, and I was quick to say yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and got up there, and we worshipped with um, some Assemblies of God churches. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I've ever visited. Like, when I got saved, I was, like, in the Baptist world in Charlotte. Baptist probably the majority of yeah, I'm the sure. people. So Southern like, Baptist. Yeah, just get, yeah. Just get uh, good Bible-teaching churches. That's what I needed, and praise God. I'm, 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 and I'm not ashamed of that at all. Yeah. I love my Baptist brethren. I'm, I am Baptist. But uh, but that's not the banner that I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm a Baptist. Yeah, yeah. Right? So going up to New York and seeing the um, Assemblies of God folks and the way they worshipped. Like, the Lord started setting me free. Yeah. Right? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go too rabbit-trailed on the Kanye West thing, but his his Sunday service choir and seeing the expression of a black choir, mm-hmm. I mean, it moved me to tears. And I'd never experienced that. And so I think, you know, what God wants to do is he unifies us through the Scripture. He says... As we fellowship with light, or we fellowship in the light, uh, we have fellowship with one another. The darkness wants to hide us and divide us yeah. and partition us. And so that's another thing I just love about, I guess, abolition or however you want to describe. Mm-hmm. What do you call this movement? 
I mean, I identify myself as pro-life just because okay. people know what you're saying. But yeah, I know yeah. there's some, we actually did some podcasts about pro-life and abolition oh, and all cool. that. But, you know, one of the things, this this is powerful. Yeah. And actually, so I think this is a podcast before last that we put out, you know, Flip, Flip Benham. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him a little bit about, you know, the whole incrementalism, immediatism yeah. sort of debate. I actually listened to some of that yesterday. Okay, yeah. Just a little bit. So, but one of the things he said to me, and he said this as we were preparing for the podcast, he said, you know what, because I asked him about abolition and what do you think about this and pro-life and what yeah. do you think about the tag pro-life, because I just say I'm pro-life because yeah. everybody knows what you're talking about. Right. So, I mean, I'm content to be called anti-abortion. Right. People are killing babies. I'm anti that, just yeah. like I'm anti-slavery yeah. and all this, you know. So, but anyway, uh, he said, you know what? We don't come out here. We were standing in front of the abortion clinic when he said this. He said, we don't come out here as abolitionists or as pro-lifers. We don't come out here as a mediatist or yeah. incrementalist. Yeah. We come out here as Christians. We are yeah, here because we are followers of Jesus. Yep. And so that being, uh, that, that was a powerful statement to me. And, uh, and so he talked a little bit, a little bit in depth about that in that podcast, but it, it's just, that is the mentality, well, I right? Think this so, is about Jesus. And so again, right? so this, so, so the reality of this issue is I look at this heart on your shirt that has this baby, right? Is that, and I understand why there's denominations. There's mm-hmm. some stuff that's like, there's just some disagreements. And, yeah. But this issue we all agree on. Yeah. Right. This is a gospel issue. This is a Bible issue. This is a glory of God issue. This yeah. is a Imago Dei issue. Yeah. And if you don't, if you if if you think this is okay, I got a question. If you have the Holy Spirit and, and have a firm understanding of Scripture, yeah, if you yeah. think it's okay to, to murder babies, babies. Yeah. and maybe some people just immature, and we can help them walk through that. But the beauty of this issue and um, this this problem is that it's uniting the church. Yeah, and so I praise God for the faithfulness of Cities for Life and the Benhams and people who have just. Faithfully, the Hildreths, I mean, the Wilsons, the Tenants, the name goes on and on. Yeah. People are just faithful. You know, you and Vicky, yeah. 20 degrees outside, freezing, and you're still out there, right? And you probably were like, man, when's the church going to show up? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And then the past couple of years, the church has shown up. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing's spreading. But, but it's beautiful as I, as I minister next to different denominations and skin colors and age groups and whatever the background is. Yeah. So man, yeah. Just next just, time you're in New York, just a suggestion, and for anybody who's listening to, go to Times Square Church. Did you visit there? Um, it's powerful. Well, man. we were speaking at a church on Sunday, okay, so we, yeah. we didn't have the option. If you go back, go because I mean, you're talking about different people from different backgrounds. I mean, you're looking at Africans, people from different places in Asia. Yeah. Like the choir itself is just an array of the yeah. entire world, because you know New York's a melting oh, pot anyway. Yeah, and it's just like when I last time I was there, which was some years ago, the choir just worshiping God and seeing everybody yeah. from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping together. Just, I think they're I the ones, wept. they're the ones that um, kind of champion the movement in yeah. New York city. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, brother, I think uh, if you're, if you're good to go, unless you have yeah, something my else to say, about done. your coffee's about done. So we're going to wrap this thing up, man. I appreciate you coming and sharing, brother. Yeah, I appreciate for, your heart, man. Me, man. Yeah. Um, and I'll maybe have you back on sometime in the sure. future. We'll talk some more about some, whatever the Lord brings yeah, to, to mind. But, uh, I appreciate all those who who listen, who joined us, and uh, just uh, you know, check out Pastor Brian's church if you're in the Charlotte area and you're looking for a church home. These guys are disciplers. They're they're not just there for the Sunday morning service. They're there in the long haul, connecting people. Yeah. Uh, an evangelistic church. They're they're wanting to see people come to God's kingdom, which is awesome to disciple those people. So check it out. Convergence NC. Is Convergence Church NC dot com. Okay. And we meet in the Plaza Midwood area on Sunday, but we have uh, six, probably potentially seven, missional communities that meet throughout the city that have a 
a missional directive wherever they are. So we, yeah. we, we're not just the church gathered, but scattered. Okay. And I sound horrible with this, man. Can you can you edit my voice somehow? I can't. I can't make okay. it sound better. Let Sorry. your people know. I, I normally. I can hear myself. Uh-huh. Do I sound funny to you? No, it sounds funny. Okay, cool. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Well, so he, he, you know, he preaches a lot of Sundays, and he doesn't sound funny. He sounds sounds fantastic. You know, <laughs> the Lord uses him. Um, but yeah, yeah. So check those guys out. Check us out. You can connect with me at dparks at citiesforlife.com. That's my email address. Charlotte.citiesforlife.org is our website. And then our Sidewalks for Life site that we always mention, sidewalks4life.com, which is a gospel-centered sidewalk counseling website just to encourage you guys. We put out articles on a regular basis, and uh, maybe we'll have Pastor Brian. Can I share you something on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was yesterday, a a friend of mine who's in Oregon, he shared a Sidewalks for Life video. Okay. Because I saw, um, what's Corey Montague's wife? Yeah, Sarah. Sarah I saw her on the... I was like, I know her. Yeah. And he's from Oregon. So, okay. so people across the United States yeah, are being praise blessed God. By So, yay, you guys can be blessed, too. Just go to that website. And let us know what you think about the podcast. If you had suggestions, maybe episodes we can do, subjects we can cover, I'd love to hear them. Uh, but until next time, God bless. Use me, Lord. Oh, use me, Lord.